My name is Alan Smithson, your host for the XR for Business podcast, where we interview industry leaders who are either making or using immersive virtual, augmented, and mixed reality solutions for business. From marketing and sales, to logistics and training, to design and remote collaboration, learn how the world's largest organizations are implementing an XR for Business strategy and why you should too. The XR for Business podcast is brought to you by my employer, Metaverse, a global leader in XR strategy and product development. Metaverse has a range of products to help you leverage the transformative power of virtual, augmented, and mixed reality in your company. Today's guest is Mark Sage. Mark is a product owner, creator, marketer, innovator, business development professional, evangelist, spokesperson, strategist, program and project manager, and mentor across a range of AR, mobile, B2B and B2C technologies and products in an international context. Mark is currently the executive director of Area Augmented Reality in Enterprise Alliance, the only global membership-funded nonprofit alliance dedicated to helping accelerate the adoption of enterprise augmented reality by supporting the growth of a comprehensive ecosystem. Area members include ExxonMobil, Boeing, Lockheed Martin, NVIDIA, PTC, and so many more. You can learn about the area at theareaorg T-H-E-A-R-E-A dot O-R-G. It is with great honor that I welcome Area Executive Director, Mr. Mark Sage. Welcome to the show, Mark. Thanks so much, Alan. It's great to be here to speak to you uh, and to listeners out there as well. I'm, I'm really excited. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me. We're really excited. And uh, let's get right into this. I'm going to start... Just dive right in here. What is one of the best XR experiences that you've ever had? Oh wow, gosh! Well, in the I know I'm going right in. No, you are, aren't you? And and in the kind of role I've got, I, I have a huge opportunity to go around and the world, experience in all sorts of different uh, experiences. I guess when I first started, one of the first things I was amazed about um, was the daiquiri helmet. Back in the day, I remember first taking wearing that probably about three years ago, thinking oh, this could be amazing. Obviously, didn't quite end up as it as it would be. Um, so they're still, you know, still working on some of the areas there. But you know, I just what I'm really thrilled about is the experiences that really solve problems. Being focused on the enterprise space, I love to see things that are solving real life problems here and now. So anything from the kind of simple yet effective remote assistance uh, services and applications. Uh, I love seeing those, the, the way that, you know, you can engage with an expert and get real detailed information of how to fix things. Um, I always love trying those things out. Um, I, I love some of the simple things. I remember being at uh, a shipyard in, in Finland and just using a tablet and they were showing me how they, look into a new container that had been built um, and how they could check what, uh, what was going on and, and using an, an AR experience to make sure it was all correct. And they were kind of cutting down literally by hours the amount of time it took to, to review things and make sure it was all signed off and stuff like that. Um, and then range into the step-by-step -step instruction. I always remembered Realware when they um, did their first step-by-step -step instruction doing it in a brewery. And showing how they were, you know, moving taps and pipes and and doing work there. So, to be honest, anything. Do you think they did it in exchange for beer? 
Uh, well, I hope so. <laughs> I absolutely hope so. So, you know, Alan, anything that, that shows some real benefit? I love some of the kind of cooler stuff, but certainly my experience in the enterprise AR stuff that actually solves a problem and creates real benefit for, for enterprises is kind of really cool for me. It's interesting you mentioned the Daiquiri Smart Helmet. And for the people listening, the Daiquiri Helmet was this an incredible futuristic helmet. It was white with this blue lens on the front. And I, I had the opportunity to try it a couple of years ago. And when you put it on, you had a beautiful heads-up display. It wasn't quite like the the, uh, the Magic Leaper HoloLens where uh, you know the holograms were in kind of positional space. It was more this heads-up display that gave you almost like um, – you know, uh, superpowers, you know, mm. you could, you could have all this information just right in front of you when you needed. But one of the things that I also noticed that it got really hot. Yeah. And they were pushing a lot of computing power through that thing. And so uh, I think they've moved to uh, now a pair of glasses instead of the full helmet thing. Yeah, correct. And I think it's probably an example of just being a little bit too early with the technology, but I'm sure in the future we'll see those types of devices. I know in the, um, first responder kind of firefighting bit. They're looking at having that heads up display and, and showing maybe kind of simpler information, infrared or, or heat sensing and um, guidance and things like that. So, you know, we're on the, the start, as you well know, of this, this industry and this technology. And I think, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing what will happen in the future. Uh, I think everybody is, and I'm sure we're going to see some amazing cool things in the, in the not too distant future as well. Yeah, you mentioned uh, you know that we're going to kind of start to see these different iterations, and we're already seeing that with the launch of Hololens two, um, and Microsoft kind of really listening to the customers and saying, "Hey, we understand that everybody's going to use this a little differently." So you know they they had a huge contract, a half a billion dollar contract with the U.S. military, and the U.S. military just kind of released um, a little sneak peek of of how they're using it, and they've taken the the regular Hololens and they've added. Um, an infrared camera on the top for for giving soldiers a uh, you know um, a view in in the dark. So I think that's really interesting, and uh, I think it's intriguing to to see how other people are using that. And then if you look at uh, Trimble is a, another company. I believe those guys are members as well of uh, of Area. They they made a, a custom helmet out of the Hololens two called uh, the X One, and so I think that's really interesting. Yeah, absolutely. And, the, and again, focusing on the enterprise kind of space, you know, the HoloLens 2 is great, but it needs to be kind of in, in safe and uh, being used in those kind of more difficult environments, um, be it, I don't know, dirty, damp, um, potentially dark and all those things. So, you know, I think having working with companies uh, like Trimble and being able to support those um requirements is really important and i think you're right you know microsoft are listening and they've got lots of uh, requirements coming in but you know i'm kind of excited where they're going and and looking forward to them and the other wearable device providers driving forward on that you know it's there are other companies out there and sort of Vuzix and magic leap and then also the kind of assisted technology guys the real wear and stuff like that but i i guess i'm so for the people listening, let's let's break it down a little bit, you know, from a hardware standpoint, and then we'll we'll dig into software because I think this is where people get get caught up. They say, oh well, VR is just for gaming, or you know, AR is Pokemon Go. But you know, let's break down the kind of different types of glasses you've got. On the mixed reality set, you have the you know Hololens and Magic Leap, 
and those kind of give you full spatial computing. Um, but a lot of times you don't need that. Maybe you're in a warehouse or maybe, you know, maybe break that down as to what the different glasses are doing. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I'll kind of start with the other ends. Um, I remember listening to uh, the guys at Upskill present and they, they kind of coined the term assisted reality. And I was like, well, actually, what does that mean? But it's very simply just taking uh, you know, basic content and delivering it to the individual. And by basic content, I mean, it can be as simple as a PDF or a video, um, something which, which isn't augmented, but really helps that worker in their environment and gives them contextual and relevant information when they need it. So, you know, Realware is a good example, the Google Glass that was, and will probably come back again. Um, but these kind of solutions quite often, you know, I, I see them as almost AR 0.1, your first kind of um, movement or foray into the the AR space. Uh, they're, you know, simpler potentially to deploy. They bring a huge amount of benefit. Um, and just allows certainly the bigger enterprises who have been looking for solutions um, rather than having to go look at their desk or look at their PC and come away from their work kind of station or come away from the work that they're doing to be able to, to give them that information there and then, and especially keeping their hands free, which is the crucial part. You know, it's interesting. I had a chance to try the realware um, helmet or, or it's, it's like a little arm that attaches to your hard hat or your you know glasses and the arm comes up. And it's like having, you know, a 70 inch TV available in one eye when you need it. So it just, you know, folds up when you need it. You can pull up instructions. It's all voice driven. And I had the opportunity to also um, try Copen's new uh, whisper technology where it can be, you know, jackhammers all around you and you can talk to the headset and it will understand you and only you and bring up that information. So, you know, what they were showing with with the real where was something very simple, but very, very essential is that just bringing up PDFs uh, of work plans or instructional uh, information that in a hands-free environment, it can save hours of time, not having to go back and look something up on a computer. You just pull it up as you need it. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Alan. I think it works well in the kind of cases where you have infrequent and complex tasks as well. Uh, you know, it's a real sweet spot there for enterprises to say that if if you're working on that type of work, you know, it doesn't happen that often um, or it's more complicated than, I don't know, just putting a tire on or something simple. These kind of solutions can really help. And, you know, I'm a big fan of getting companies started on their AR journey by using something like this. Uh, as I say, the price point could be slightly cheaper as well. Um, and it gets that that worker working hands free and and cussing out a lot of wasted time of going to search things and looking up computers, logging in or looking at diagrams, which come with that, you know, slight risk that they're out of date and stuff like that as well. So, yeah, I think it's a really exciting and interesting space. Um, you know, it's part of a continuum, if you like, going into the full augmented um, area as well, where there's still a number of different use cases that enterprises can benefit from. So, you know, the, the important message, I guess, is be very clear on what problem you're trying to solve and make sure you've got the kind of correct solution to do that. And, you know, I've had a few phone calls where the people have called me and say, hey, Mark, what do I do with these HoloLenses or Vuzix Blades or whatever the device is? And it's, you know what, guys, go back to really understanding your business and understanding what problems you're trying to solve. That's your first crucial step in all of this. Yeah, I, I think uh, companies, 
well, like everybody gets, a, they get excited and they're like, Hey, you know, we just bought 25 hollow lenses. <laughs> yeah. Now what? <laughs> so, you know, and, and one of the things that I, I think we need to just get back to basics as well is that, you know, everybody's got a phone in their hand and a lot of power can be delivered directly from just a mobile device. It doesn't need to be a wearable, you know, wearables are obviously preferable when you have, you know, when you need hands-free, but AR in context um, can be used just from your mobile device. And I think there, you know, a lot, a lot of people have mobile devices, almost everybody. And, you know, that that's kind of the easy way in for companies to say, hey, let's try out, start using some of this technology. And one of the things I want to bring up is you mentioned Upskill. Uh, this is a company that's raised uh, an enormous amount of money, I think in the tens of millions. And one of the the demonstrations that they've done was with Boeing and they showed a, a complex wiring harness and, uh, you know, a worker with a printed manual beside them, like right beside them working on this wiring harness versus a heads up display of, of their upskill kind of platform showing the same information as the printed you know book, but in a heads up display. And they showed, a th- I think it was something like 27% faster uh, task completion using the heads up display versus a paper book. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's actually 36%. And the reason why I know is because I use it a lot when I'm explaining um, the benefits of AR to, to particularly to enterprises. You know, it's a real simple and often used case, isn't it? You're trying to maybe fix something for the first time or set something up. And, and you know, those wiring boxes are quite complex. Yeah, you know, and just being able to, you, you see one guy is kind of moving from side to side. He's doing a piece of work and going to check the diagram, going back up again. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, one of the companies that's really pushing the boundaries of this technology, Boeing, um, and Boeing is a great example because They've been working in this space for quite some time now, and they've got a lot of examples. So maybe you can talk to some of the specifics of how Boeing um, is using this technology. Yeah, certainly. And, and uh, I'm lucky enough to have the president of the area as a gentleman called Paul Davis from, from Boeing, uh, one of the many kind of people we have working um, with the area. Also, they kind of chair the safety committee as well. So we have... Uh, a few other gentlemen there, Greg Garrett and um, Brian Lachlan. Um, so they have multiple different use cases. Uh, in fact, one of the pieces of research that we've done, um, they're actually using to evaluate new AR projects. And it's great to see a company that have gone out to their workforce and say, look, here's what AR is, what you can do with it. Please propose projects and ways that we could use AR to improve your work and become more effective. Um, and you know they've they've really um, taken that on board. So the wiring diagram and and the harness is one big one they've been working on a, a while for. They've actually created a kind of a platform. Um, I think it's called Bark, um, which there allows them to be quite flexible in setting up new AR projects. They've done a whole bunch of round training and things like that. And I'm sure, to be honest, Alan, there's a number of projects going on that you know. <laughs> They're not keeping secret, but they're working on internally and stuff like that. So, you know, I think anything they can do to uh, improve their performance, they're they're focusing a lot on um, trying to keep some of the skills or understand some of the skills that their key workers or longtime workers have had um, and use that from a kind of training and guidance bit and then solving some of those real complex problems. You know, the wiring within a aircraft is very complex, so... Rather than having to mock that physically up, they're using it to 
you know, to be able to show all the wiring, take different elements of it out, work out how to put new wires in or reroute the wires and stuff like that. So, yeah, you know, they they like, you know, and Paul talks a lot about they were one of the, the well, the company that come up with the term augmented reality back in 1989. So, yeah, they are one of the, the leading companies in this space. And it's always great to kind of engage with them to see what they're doing. That's incredible. So they're really the pioneers of this. And, you know, other there's other main, main companies, you know, that we've, you know, NASA's been using this technology mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Um, Boeing, I think Ford has been using VR and AR for a long time. We had Elizabeth Barron on the show earlier talking about how, you know, they've been using it for design, but also for uh, for sales and marketing as well. So I think it's a, it's a very interesting, and it's funny because we had somebody on the show uh, recently talking about uh, the aviation industry and how they're using it. And it wasn't from, from the, you know, wiring harness and, and kind of enterprise side. It was more from the marketing side, how they're taking, uh, you know, airplanes that won't be built for another three years, creating virtual models of them and using them as sales tools to show people what's coming. And I think that's really cool. Yeah, I think now, Nyland, it's a question I get asked a lot, you know, which kind of industries are leading, certainly the AR space, and to a certain extent, the VR. And, and I always say, actually, in my experience, it's not really by industry, it's about the use case or the problems that are being solved. You know, I mentioned some of them like remote assistance or step by step kind of guidance. They're, they're relevant across a whole bunch of different industries. So, you know, if you have that kind of problem or, you know, there's something you need to solve, then AR is a solution regardless of what industry you're in. I I agree. And I I think one of the things that um, sticks with me is that it's not people are, you know, they they see AR and they're just, oh, you know, we got to make AR or we got to make VR or something. It's not about that. And we're, we're past that kind of kitschy point of this technology where it's like, hey, it's cool. I can make a, you know, a Pokemon jump out of my desk. I think the real world, uh, you know, applications are starting to really become clear. And, you know, something that we discussed offline was, uh, you know, how companies are, are, you know, up until now have been doing a lot of POCs or proof of concepts and trials and prototypes, but we're kind of, we're kind of past that now because the technology is there. We know what it does. We know how to make it and it's showing real, uh, real benefits. And one of the things that, um, that comes to mind is, and I, I can't remember the company offhand, but um, they started using uh, augmented reality uh, for heads up kind of um, not remote assistance, but training. And they had a 25% increase in retention rates, but a near zero error rate. Like how do you, as a company, how do you not do that? How, how, how does, you know, how do you go to your, you know, your CEO and go, by the way, we did this trial and it increased our productivity by 25% and decreased our error rates to almost zero. Um, can we have a budget for it? You're absolutely right in that the industry is still, uh, I'd say littered is probably the wrong word, but there's still many trials and pilots and proof of concepts going on. And it's something that within the area we've been focusing quite a bit on to help those organizations move to that next stage. So there's a few themes we see through that. The first one and we've actually delivered this through the area research capability is a kind of an ROI calculator. So is there a way that you can show, justify, especially from a neutral organization like the area, what the ROI is on your project? So, you know, it's again for members only, but it's a really great way of, uh, you know, we've spent a lot of time speaking to different companies about the sort of benefits 
mainly tangible ones, but again, we do want to talk about some of the intangible ones. And they can use this calculator to put information together, included within the costs in some other currency and other factors to, to pop out an ROI. Um, so that's really important. One of the things I always say to companies thinking about doing an ROI, uh, sorry, an AR project, is think about and measure how you do things to start with before you start on your um, prototype and then measure it when you're doing your prototype. Quite often what people do is crash straight into the prototype and haven't always captured that previous information. So I think there's a bit about being ready within your project to show the financial benefits is one thing. The, the other kind of issue or the theme we see about going from prototype into um, full deployment is some of the business issues that are often not thought about. So I mentioned before that Boeing kind of chairs the area safety committee. You know, working with the safety managers and being able to deploy these solutions into the organization just needs some kind of pre-thinking. It needs to understand and you need to work with the safety managers. So when they're deployed on a wider scale, they're aware of it. They've been involved in the business decision-making process and they're kind of happy to deploy it. It's not, you don't come along and say, hey, look, we've got these new devices, wearables and tablets. We need to start working on them. So safety is one factor. Security is another one, you know, and obviously we have some members that, are, you know, real security issues and want to keep things safe. So again, involving those security people in there. So I, I guess in summary, um, Alan, one of the things that we advocate a lot from moving from pilot to um, full deployment is treat it as a change management process as well as a technology one. You know, look at the kind of the, the part of the business that needs to be involved and work with them at those early stages and hopefully that should allow you to move from this pilot into a full project, you know, overcoming some of those business issues at the earliest stages. The XR for Business podcast is brought to you by my employer, Metaverse, a global leader in XR strategy and product development. Metaverse has a range of products to help you leverage the transformative power of virtual, augmented, and mixed reality in your company. If you want to keep up to date with all things XR, you can sign up for our daily or weekly newsletter at xrforbusiness.io, xrforbusiness.io. Yeah, and I, I think you touched on something that's, you know, I, I want to explore a little more because, you know, we've talked about, uh, you know, how the use cases of remote assistance and safety security uh, training, all of these things. We've talked about uh, proof of concepts and, and how we're kind of moving into the the real uh, ROI that's measured by, you know, real defined, um, you know, uh, key performance indicators or KPIs. And so one of the things that, you know, people always ask me as well is, you know, what are the benefits of AR? And, you know, it's one of those things that you're like, oh, well, okay, you know, and you break it down to that. So in your opinion, what are some of the main benefits of this technology? I will break this down into two kind of high-level segments. The first one is about improving the performance. Um, so that could be about um, having the most relevant, up-to-date, contextual information when you need it. Okay, so we're going back to that bit where people are wandering off trying to find information. If you can have it when you need it at the right um at the right context and the right time is perfect. Uh, the second one in the kind of performance area is that managing your resources. 
Um, we mentioned one of the key use cases, and probably the biggest use case at the moment is remote assistance. Um, and it's a good example of being able to manage your resources much more effectively, not having them out on the road or traveling everywhere in the, in the world and stuff like that. So, um, you know, that's another key performance um, improvement. And the second one, or sorry, the third one is real-time compliance. So being able to capture, record, certify processes, um, if you've got the kind of policies to do that, I know in certainly in the um, aircraft industry, everything that is done needs to be registered and stuff like that. So, so all of those are about improving performances, which actually kind of mean that you're increasing your efficiency. So you're reducing um, the, efficient, the efficiency or improving sorry, the efficiency of infrequent and complex tasks. You're minimizing errors um, and preventing, to a certain extent, human errors and miscalculation. And then lowering the impact of task interruption and errors and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, from a increasing efficiency, it's about reducing time, minimizing error, and lowering costs. Absolutely, and and I think you you nailed it there. You know, you you said, you know, improving performance by providing relevant contextualized information. I think this is going to become more and more prevalent when you know, headsets like the HoloLens and Magic Leap and become real enterprise tools. And, and that's happening now, but I mean, you know, it's just going to get better and better and better. But one of the things that people don't understand is that even a mobile phone now can look at a machine and it can understand in context where your phone is in relation to that screen. And if it's a pair of head, you know, a pair of glasses like HoloLens or Magic Leap, you can look at this machine, overlay an entire digital version of that machine on top and then step by step, walk somebody through this. And why that's important is, is, you know, it's becoming more important because the aging workforce in manufacturing and oil and gas and electrical, the aging workforce is starting to retire. And the young people coming into these fields, they don't have time to catch up of decades worth of experience. And, you know, maybe you've got somebody who's got 30 years experience uh, on an oil rig and maybe they're ready to retire, but you can say, hey, listen, rather than retire and just, you know, kind of throw away the 30 years of experience you have, why don't you just stay home, work a couple hours a week and be the remote assistance for those young guys out on the rigs or traveling around the world or whatever. And you can be their eyes and ears. And so when they, they put these headsets on, they can look at the machine, have somebody back in home base, see what they're seeing and, and it's annotate instructions on top of it. So that remote assistance being able to imagine like, Having Skype with the world's expert of anything you want at any time you want, that's incredible. It is incredible. And I think, and just taking on your theme there, actually, and I've been thinking about this a lot, you know, we use the term training and it has a particular uh, emphasis to it. You know, you wonder if a worker in the future will be guided to do their work. So it doesn't have to be a connection with a remote assistance, but someone you know, virtually or augmented, showing them what to do. Uh, AI is coming for us. <laughs> it enriches the job role to a certain extent. And the, the, the workers in the future, by using AI technology, can do a whole raft of different tasks um, and, you know, use not only the remote expert, but, you know, use the guidance of the content and the, um, the augmented content to do whole sorts of different things. So, you know, I can see where somebody, I take a simple example, you know, they can be fixing a washing machine one day, but the next day they can be fixing the TV and the day after a computer and, you know, the day after a car because they're using the content 
that the you know the organization is able to provide in a contextual and relevant way so you know i think it's kind of an exciting we still need people to do it but it allows them to do wider kind of stuff and it, it just plays on one other point alan i'd like to have because this is, goes back a little bit to um setting your projects up for for success you know quite often at the moment some of the projects especially especially when you're talking about step-by-step guidance are a little bit standalone from some of the enterprise systems. So one of the things we talk about is actually connecting into the core enterprise data, um, you know, whatever systems it's captured in and using that. And if you, you know, you see a better way of doing it, you can update it and then everybody benefits from it. So there's, there's certainly a theme, I think, in the future where we need to plug in and connect to the content or the, the assets of the um, enterprise you know, and, and use AR not only just to read it, but to update it as well. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, we're we're working with a company right now who's taking uh, BIM models and CAD models and overlaying them real time. Basically, the, the blueprints of a building, overlaying them real time using AR in context. And then they have a two-way kind of feedback mechanism. So when they point uh, their, their device at... Uh, you know, at a building that they're working on, it'll show the HVAC system or the electrical system, whatever they happen to be working on. And it shows it shows it exactly where it should be. You can walk around and see it from every angle. But when there's an error, they can annotate and it automatically will update the, the head office and say, you know, there's an error here. Um, they can add a little note and it'll stay positionally fixed and it will stay on the blueprints, on the live blueprints. So I think this is uh, something that we're only scratching the surface with this, and it's going to be a huge thing. Like the the industry that they're going after is the construction industry, and you know it's a thirty billion dollar um, error problem. You know, like the, you know rebuilds and, and rework in construction is a massive problem. Thirty billion dollars lost every year rebuilding things because somebody put the HVAC system in six inches to the left instead wow. of to the right. I didn't realize it was such a big number, but I can. Yeah, I can get it's huge, huge number, and that's just in, that's not including residential. That's only in commercial buildings. So it's it's a big yeah. Big. Well, I think you know the use of AR to to visualize that BIM data will be will be huge. And you know, being I always look at the people digging up the roads, which unfortunately been been doing a lot of recently from where I live, and it seems to be a trial and error, or they they build it so big that everything has to close down anyway. So. There's a whole bunch of efficiencies and you know greater performance we'll see in years to come that we probably don't even think about now, not even thought about. Yeah, there's a company called Esri, uh, E-S-R-I, and they're using um, GIS data to be able to overlay. Um, you can actually download the app and play with it. You can sit there and in your street, look at all the pipes that are right. under your street. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, so it's cool. I mean, the, the data's there. Whether it's right or not, I mean, the city plans are as accurate as you can get, and you kind of have to go with it. But um, but it, being able to overlay that data for for people just you know going to replace a pipe in the street, like exactly what you said, don't dig out the whole damn street. Just put these glasses on, figure out where to dig, and dig there. You know, I, I and I understand, and I'm you know a big fan of some of the marketing side of that, but a lot of the writers talk about uh, enterprise AR as being certainly the leading kind of space uh, in the immersive technology is because the the ROI or the benefit is a lot more tangible at this stage. You know, you can measure, you can measure the kind of savings, whereas the marketing part, you know, it's part of a number of different factors which influence the purchasing decision. But, uh, you know, all of it together is awesome. 
Yeah, one of one of the things that we've noticed um, on the marketing side, and, and that's kind of where we play, is that um, the ROI is hard to measure on typical marketing. Like this weekend, for example, Coachella, you know, launched their AR app at Coachella, and you could see spaceships flying through the AR, you know, through the the concert venue. And then HBO launched the Game of Thrones AR experience, and you know, they can measure the number of downloads and that, but there's really no way to measure. Hey you know, 16,000 people watched the show because of that. You know, it was just more of a marketing thing. And, you know, one of the things that marketing people are starting to realize is that 3D, 3D product views on a website and being able to try on, you know, a pair of glasses or shoes or whatever, virtual try-ons does directly contribute to sales. So that is a, you know, an industry use case that I would say is more kind of on the enterprise side. It's, you know, it's, it's marketing, but it's direct benefit and ROI. Yeah, no, that's cool. Speaking of benefits and ROI, I wanted to talk to uh, to you about some of the uh, direct, you know, benefits of of member companies joining the area because you know you guys are you know first in class with regards to thought leadership, use cases. You have your ROI calculator, uh, tons of research uh, articles. So maybe speak to kind of each one of those um, points and and explain to mem- you know p- potential members why they should join area because i think it is a very valuable organization yeah thank you alan and uh, that's very kind so i think simply put we were focusing on four things and um, the first one is about helping to de- develop and create curate um, and deliver thought leadership content so the, the idea behind this is that business decision makers at the moment just do not have a, enough information to make informed decisions on investing in, in AR. Uh, there's obviously lots of competing technologies out there. Uh, they've obviously got to run their business and stuff like that. So anything we can do to focus on the uh, use cases, so what problems can be solved, providing them with case studies, so examples of those use cases being solved in real life, what technologies are needed, and what the return on investment is, to me is really important. So we're very keen to you know, to listen to case studies and deliver that content to a, and focus on those business decision makers. So a lot around thought leadership. The second benefit um, of area membership is around networking. It's always amazes me the uh, that when companies get together, how similar some of their problems are. And I just don't mean the technology problems, but their business problems of trying to deploy AR or even the problems they're trying to solve. Um, we ran the annual area workshop, which we, for the first time we did it in the UK a few weeks ago. And someone came up to me afterwards and said, you know, Mark, that was like group therapy. You know, it's an opportunity to meet with like-minded people to understand some of their challenges, what they'd be doing to overcome them and, you know, enable them to think about and learn from other companies as well. So it's really important to be able to network with like-minded people, and also to build those partnerships, be it if you're a enterprise looking to deliver AR solutions um, or providers looking to work together or with the startups that we have. So networking is really important. The, the third element is around a, um, what we call educate, but we're, we're already beginning to get a bit concerned about the, the kind of availability of skilled workers in this space. You know, it's a huge and growing industry and companies, even the area members now, are, are struggling to get um, workers that come out with university with the correct kind of skills. And I don't only really mean technical skills, I mean some of the business skills as well. So 
with working with educational organizations and universities to help them define courses, to work with them on, you know, I think from guest lecturing to outplacements, to setting them challenges and anything we can do to help educate and connect universities with organizations that um, are developing or delivering AR solutions. So that's been a really interesting journey as well. And a lot more universities are beginning to kind of use the area or work with the area to do that. And then finally, and probably the biggest uh, um, strategic pillar we have at the moment is overcoming the barriers to adoption. I mentioned before things like safety and security. We have a, a monthly committee meeting that talks about those kind of areas and really kind of delving into the detail and looking at delivering deliverables um, that really benefit the members. We also have a requirements committee. We've been developing a set of requirements um, and actually extended that to kind of capture the use cases and the different scenarios and the different type of workers. So the, the aim being that any enterprise can come along and say, hey, you know what, I'm, I'm in the automotive industry. I'm interested in remote assistance. By a press of a couple of buttons, they can get a, a set of requirements downloaded, of course, which they can add to and, and supplement and things like that. But it allows them to fast forward their AR projects and potentially go for RFPs and RFIs and stuff like that. And um, we're using, you know, we're connecting the providers of AR technology to the companies looking um, to deliver a set of, or understand a set of requirements. So that's requirements committee. We've set a committee up on human factors. So looking at some of the UX and UI issues and design issues, because that again is a slightly wild west area. And we want to help bring companies together and define some business best practice. Uh, we have a marketing committee, which is about promoting the kind of ecosystem as well. And you see a lot of our social media stuff is driven through that marketing committee. And then finally, the research committee. And we've touched on a few things. The ROI calculator was delivered through the research committee. And it's real simple. We say to all of the area members, what do you need to research? What kind of applied research would help you in your business? Every area member gets an opportunity to make a proposal. We have a little kind of pitching session. Then every member gets an opportunity to vote and whoever get whatever research gets the most votes, the area then funds and delivers that research. So we're actually just kicking off our fifth research project. The first one was around security and wearables, which we've actually made available to everybody now so they can go to the website and download the, that research. We felt after a year that probably it was something that we should make available because we're moving on our thinking and work in that space. And the second one was the ROI calculator. We've done a piece on human factors and safety, a kind of reusable framework. We're just finishing off a deep dive into the manufacturing industry and some of the barriers to adoption, a framework to help companies overcome them. And we're just kicking off a piece now that's basically looking at IoT, AI, and AR, and how those technologies kind of work together helping, again, business decision leaders to understand and bring all that stuff together so they can make informed decisions. So there's a huge amount of stuff going. You know, I'm kind of really excited uh, to be able to, to lead this and work with all the area members. It's very much driven by the area members. Um, and you can go to thearea.org um, or drop me an email at markettheareaorg to find out more as well. And you know, thank you, Alan, for giving me the opportunity to talk a little bit about the area's work. No, it's it's vital. I, I, the work you guys are doing is absolutely essential to the success of our industry. And uh, I want to just say, you know, thank you for for joining me on this show and and sharing your information. 
So, Mark, uh, is there anything else? What do you see as the future of XR as it pertains to business, in your opinion? Yeah, thank you, Alan. And, and before I say that, I just want to thank you as well for the great work you're doing evangelizing our industry. Uh, you know, and I follow all the, the stuff that you're talking about. So, so thank you as well. And, you know, for the future, I think we've, you know, there's improvements on all fronts, really. Uh, I'm sure the technology will improve, uh, that we need to be uh, deliver technology that can be used in the environments that we're talking about. Uh, you know, oil and gas being one, it's very difficult to have um, some of the technology used when you're out on a on a rig somewhere in the North Sea. So I can see improvements on all fronts. I think a better understanding um, of deployment, uh, a better business understanding. Um, and I think at the moment, I always think of the enterprise AR kind of ecosystem as a little bit like a iceberg. And, you know, we have uh, a kind of few companies and a few uh, enterprises at the peak, and you can see them at the top, but there's a huge amount underneath the waterline. You know, the further, not that I want the water to drain away in our, um, in our environment, but, you know, to get more people understanding what's, uh, what benefits they can get and being able to really master it and more efficient. I think it's a steady movement. Absolutely. Well, Mark, I want to thank you so much. If you want to keep up to date with all things XR, you can sign up for our daily or weekly newsletter at xrforbusiness.io. X-R-F-O-R-B-U-S-I-N-E-S-S dot I-O. I want to thank our sponsor, Metaverse, and remind listeners that if you're interested in booking a free consultation on how your company can leverage the transformative power of XR, please connect with us at metaverse.com, M-E-T-A-V-R-S-E.